I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Dream Job Ready. My name is Dane Sharp, I'm your host, and I'm joined by award-winning agency MD, Aidan Hepburn, who's gonna share some advice about how you can get your dream job and be successful in agency land. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. Hey Aidan, before we lay it all out for the listener, mate, I would wanna start by throwing it to you and asking for uh, you know, your, a couple of your career highlights that you've had. So when was the first time you felt or knew that you'd made it? That's, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, mate. It's, it's, it's hard to define, but um, I, I remember this kind of crazy period um, when I was working at YNR, you know, global, you know, pretty famous global, you know, advertising agency. Um, and uh, there was a guy there, uh, Russell Howcroft, um, he's, you know, he's one of the constant um, sort of panel experts on the Gruen transfer on the ABC. Um, he's, you know, most recently was at PwC as their kind of chief creative officer and, and partner there. And also a bit of a mentor of mine as well. And I, I worked for him for, for a number of years. And, um, you know, he was a, a pretty heavy hitter in the industry, if you like, and, and one of the kind of most famous guys going around at that time. And I remember he sort of um, pulled me into a room one day and sort of said there was a, a global team coming down the following week and uh, he wanted me to kind of prepare a, prepare a presentation to sort of show him what we were doing in the market and where we thought it could go um, and just sort of, you know, show the wares, if you like. What's working? What's not working? Where do we need investment? How do we think we can grow? Where's the opportunity in the market? What are the competitors doing? Um, I thought, okay, great, yep, not a problem, sort of pulled that together, crafted it with him just a little bit. And obviously it's a, it's a pretty big thing. I was quite young at the time. I was about 26. Um, and so to be asked that by, by Russell Howcroft at the time, so it's a pretty big deal, you know. There's the global CEO and his entourage were, were kind of coming down. Um, you've got the regional CEO who's a heavy hitter who's like, right, you know, build this presentation. You know, this is, this is critical. Um, so the global guys kind of come down. Um, Russell sets me up. I'm in the, in the boardroom with... Him, uh, you know, David Sable, um, JJ Schmuckler and, and a few of the other guys that were there at the time and um, kind of delivered this presentation that sort of said, you know, imagine if we could build an agency that did X, Y and Z, you know. Um, here was the data, here was the opportunity, no one else was in the market. Um, we looked at the kind of the core offerings that we had, the capabilities, the skill sets, some of the clients and kind of built this kind of 
view for kind of what was working, but but really where it could kind of go next and sort of presented uh, that as, as a team um, to kind of, um, you know, much applause is probably a little bit too strong, but uh, to some pretty, pretty strong reactions around seeing that opportunity in the market um, and, and seeing all of the amazing work we've been doing as a team uh, in Sydney. Um, and then kind of having them sort of come out and go to dinner that night, um, you know, great meal, you know, great friends, all that sort of stuff. And then sort of being called back in the next day and then them sort of saying, you know what, we think we need to launch a new agency in this country. We need to get you uh, on the phone with someone else from Global and um, we think we might have something here for you. And I think it was at that point that I was like, holy shit, like what's actually happening here? Um, and that was the kind of, you know, the very, very start of, of kind of launching VML into Australia. You know, Russell Howcroft, JJ Schmuckler, David Sable, got on the phone with John Cook, who was the global CEO, and Matt Anthony, who was the, who was the chairman at the time of VML, and kind of had this big discussion within 24 hours of that presentation. Um, you know, a week later, I was in, in Kansas City doing an onboarding session and some business planning for, for what we might do if we were going to launch an agency brand new into the country and, and I was going to be in charge. So I think that was the time in this kind of crazy sort of circumstances all off the back of a, hey, can you just pull me together a presentation? Um, I think within the space of a week and a half, two weeks, we were going to build an all new agency model in the country and I was going to be in charge. And I, th- I think that's when I was like, holy shit, this is going to be big. And um, this is going to be life-changing. And it, and it truly was. Man, I can't imagine the mixed bag of emotions that must have been going on. It must have been everything from the worst nerves ever to the most confident, look at me, moments you've had. Like, how did you keep a hold of it all? Mate, I was just, you know, thought I'd fake it till I made it. That was absolutely the mission. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those funny things. You know, you're, you're kind of a young buck at that point and you've obviously got plenty of confidence and, you know, you're winning awards and you've got a great team around you and, you know, you've got great people who believe in you. And there's, so there's a lot of confidence there, but then there's also, you know, a ton of self-doubt. It's like, ah, oh, hang on, this is, a, this is not just working for someone, this is actually being the guy, you know, to start it and create it and build the story and, and build the business from, from scratch, which is really something very, very different. And, and I think um, maybe I was just so young and hungry that that kind of oh shit can I do this wasn't a big part of it and or maybe that's just because I had a you know an amazing um, group of people around me you know that I've now worked with for you know 10 10 odd years but um it was just a it was a confidence play um and I think that's that's kind of what got me through it at least for the for the start of it anyway now you know that was the moment and now you've 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 just done it again with an all new agency like how do you how do you even start to, to pull an agency uh, and a big business together and then go out and seek the kind of clients that, that you're able to work with? How, how do you do yeah. that? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good question, mate. I think um, it's timing's absolutely everything. I think you've got to have, it's, it's got to be the right time. And I think right now um, with a world that's, that's kind of blown up in, in terrible ways for, for so, so many people, um, it's also the best time to disrupt things and to kind of reimagine what a business could be and, and, and a way it could service clients and a way you could bring on talent and, and do new things. So I think as scary as that is to kind of build a new business in a, in a world that who knows which way it's going to go right now, 
it's also the time where, you know, failure is not really an option because you've kind of got to make it work. And so there are no expectations. Everyone knows the world's crazy. So it's kind of a blank slate to kind of pull things together and kind of not just conform to the, to the typical models that the industry kind of works on. And so I think you've got to have trusted people with you, you know, people who've got your back, people you trust, people you love, um, you know, we've always talked about it as like that kind of family feeling, you know, and I think that's super important. You can't do without it. Um, you've got to have a really interesting model. I think you've got to, you've got to take everything that you've learned, everything that you've seen, everything you wished you could do probably, and find those unique um, kind of points of it and those opportunities that sit within it that you know people really want but maybe you've not had before or you've not had the focus for it or things that you just couldn't do enough of but you knew were, were gravitational for clients and they really wanted that stuff. So you need those nuggets um, and I think then you need a, a couple of trusting clients who are ready to kind of back you in a new world and back a small startup um, that can be more nimble, that can be um, faster, that can be more creative, that can be more innovative and kind of isn't weighed down by big agency kind of, you know, red tape at the same time. And so I think you've got to have that, you know. It's, it's, it's that trusted team. It's that kind of couple of clients who want to back you with a new model. It's having that really interesting differentiated proposition um, and kind of capability set that people truly want. Um, to help build that kind of foundation. Um, and I think if you can kind of get those sorts of things together, you end up in a, in a really powerful position to kind of, you know, do something a little crazy and launch a new company in COVID-19. Yeah, 100%. Mate, that, something just dawned on me. I didn't really expect it. Listening to your answer there, it kind of really makes me think, and, and maybe it's because I've done a stack of episodes now in this podcast, but kind of really just dawned on me. it's kind of kind of like finding a dream job kind of like building an agency you know to your point discovering or really itemizing those things you've always wanted to do or you really love doing uh, putting them together uh, obviously finding a business or businesses that are going to take a punt on you mm -hmm. and trust that you're going to be you know the right team or the right person for for that role um and then actually going out and executing it and doing it well that's super cool now, mm -hmm. now obviously you talked about the importance of people i'd love to know without giving away all of your business secrets what are the teams that make up a good agency these days? Yeah, look, I think the biggest thing to kind of build a successful agency now is you don't want to bolt things on, right? And I think if you, if you look at where the world is right now and you look at all of the big businesses or the big agency models, they have a creative agency that bolts on a couple of digital people and maybe a couple of technical people, then maybe a PR or a media person and then maybe they even build out a CRM team or a data team or whatever that might be. And suddenly you've got a core business model that's kind of fragmenting and being stretched, but there's always kind of one dominant um, kind of culture within those businesses, you know, and you can see those in the, in, the, in the big holding groups. You can see them in the big creative agencies. There's a dominant culture, whether that's around creativity or technology, whatever it might be. And then it tries to bolt on all the other bits. And there's always a, a tension there for, who leads and who follows or how things collaborate. So I think for me, it's about the opportunity and, and ability to build it from scratch and integrate it. So, you know, what we're doing at Accelo is, um, is building that model literally from scratch, 
so there so the dominant culture is a completely um fused team of creatives user experience experts data experts technology experts um strategy um and kind of consultancy experts at the very core of the business versus bolting them on down the track as as a business typically looks to you know expand its service capabilities so what you end up with is you know a flat structured team of people who came on board with a vision to all work together as one team versus departments you know and versus business units even some of those uh, large companies have so it breaks down all the barriers it breaks down all the communication channels it breaks down the egos it breaks down the hierarchy um, and you end up with just a, a SWAT team of amazing capability working on awesome, um, you know, white space problems for for brands and, and businesses and trying to solve really challenging things in, in all new ways, which I think is super exciting. And how do you go about leading, you know, a diverse group of people like that? You know, you, you mentioned a stack of different job titles, uh, if you will, Um all of which come with varied skill sets, you know, there's obvious overlaps, but um, different skill sets, et cetera. How do you lead that at the top? And, and most importantly for the listener that's trying to grow uh, their career in, in that for agencies, um, what advice can you share to make sure that that person's showing up, putting their best foot forward and keeping people like you um, happy to have them employed? Look, I, I think it's simple, you know, it's um, you've got to be in the team. You know, um, I think there's there's a new generation of of worker, staff member, team member, you know, employee that just wants to be part of a really amazing team. You know, and I think the old agency model is hierarchy. It's corner office, closed door. You can only come in and see me when I'm ready for you. And um, you know that there's a, there's a whole generation that that was just how it was done and that's just kind of how it worked but I think the new generation coming through wants an open door policy they want to be collaborative they want to see the leaders in their teams and, and kind of working on and in the business with them so I think that's the most important thing so so for me it's about being as much as a part of the team as it is from leading from the front you know it's it's never whipping people from behind it's always being in the team or in front of the team and showing them where to go versus just telling them where to go you know and i think that's the difference between you know leaders and i think great leaders um you know i think if you can if you can be in the team and corral a team and drive a team forward by leading from the front and being part of it i think you you earn respect quicker i think you motivate people um more effectively and I think you get better outcomes out of those people because they know that you're going to be there in the trenches with them doing it when the times get tough not clocking off at five o'clock and you know going home in your fancy car or whatever it might be so I want to pull forward um our uh, listener question of the week um this is from Melanie and and she wrote to me and asked if you speak with someone uh, who works for a marketing agency or any type of agency um ask them what their opinion on sort of the new normal working conditions are, whether that's the, the ability for more people to work remotely, um, whether that's work from home more often, more flexible hours. Um, and, and I was keen to ask you this question because I know that you've worked for businesses that have fostered a great culture and a great environment in an office. So what's, what's your thoughts on, I guess, yeah. what we've been forced to do over the last bunch of months and, and kind of what may come out of it? 
Yeah. Look, the first thing is it's, it's super hard. That's for sure. You know, having, having led businesses that are, you know, in office businesses where there's an amazing culture and energy of a, you know, of a younger demographic kind of working its way through the industry. Um, you know, a, a lot of that's driven by that kind of face-to-face interaction. So um, going remote was probably the scariest thing for me as a, as a business leader and as, as a team leader. Um, a, I'd never done that before and, and B, kind of had all sorts of fears about, you know, how that would work, you know, in, in a really fast-paced environment building, it, building a new company. Um, but I'm actually so, sort of pleasantly surprised and I, and I think you've got to have, um, you've got to have touch points, super critical. You've got to try and replicate those team environments in new fun and interesting ways. Um, so you can kind of take all of the good bits about what you used to do in an office, whether it was, you know, your Friday drinks or your Monday morning stand-ups or, you know, your team lunch and learns or whatever it might be and certain catch-ups and just find new ways to do them remotely. You know, Google Hangouts and the like and Zooms are, you know, a fabulous tool to do that. You do definitely get a bit of burnout on that as well. So you do have to kind of mix it up. So what we've been doing is kind of transforming our office into, um, more of a collaboration space. So um, rather than just having, you know, 30 or 40 desks, it's all about having like two big kind of working rooms or, you know, workshop rooms, if you like, where people will come into the office literally to collaborate, which kind of gives you that kind of touch point with your colleagues and, and kind of leaders and all of that sort of stuff where you can um, actually be there and be immersed in the culture and the way of working, the way we do workshops or whatever it might be or the way we create, you know, create technology or create ideas um, in person in a, in a physical tactile kind of way. But then you actually just go home to actually do the work. And so that's the kind of model we're sort of fusing out right now. And we think it'll be really cool for at least for the next six to 12 months while we kind of work out what the world's going to do is, is kind of be in the office to collaborate be at home to work because I think, you know, a, a lot of people are, are praising the benefits of being able to just put their headphones on at home and work away and, and kind of get things done. You know, there's still challenges with that, of course, you know, where, you know, morning, you know, early morning phone calls become late night phone calls because there is no boundary and you're just working from your kitchen bench or whatever it might be, kind of like I am now. Things just kind of bleed and blur. Um, but maybe that's, with the flexibility of doing other things in and around your your work, so people aren't typically complaining about that. Whereas if they're at an eight, you know, in an in an office late at night, and they're complaining that they have to kind of work late, which is completely fair as well. So it's a different thing. I think people are using it to their advantage to kind of you know help work out their home life as much as they are working out their work life. And I think there's a, there's a balance and there's a trade off between people wanting to be available at new and interesting times of the day and night, but not, you know, being under the pump 24-7, only working during their work days, you know? So I think there's a really interesting in trade-off there that, that people have to take advantage of both ways from, from the employer and, and, the, and the employee as well, which I think can really be beneficial. Yeah, getting a, getting a bit of both. And I think, you know, hopefully that's, that's answered uh, Melanie's question. One thing that I'd add, and I'd love your thoughts on it, is and I don't know Melanie's situation or who she's working for, but I would say, you know, be involved and, and be a change maker, you know, speak up if she's got great ideas or, um, you know, Absolutely. things that she thinks the business needs to take on, um, you know, voice it if she's got the opportunity to do so. 
I agree. I think there's nothing better than a leader hearing the team's thoughts and ideas about a new way to do it, you know. Um, Love it. Melanie, email me. I'd love to hear your ideas. I'd love to steal some for our business. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, hey, let's let's throw us back in time a little bit, mate. Let's go back to when you first wanted to start working in marketing and digital and social, etc. I'd love to know what the motivation was. Um, you know, what what got you excited about that industry and career path? And then, if you can, as a second part to that question, do those motivations are they consistent today? Are they still the same, or have you moved on? You know, do different things kind of inspire you? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. So I kind of fell into marketing and advertising. You know, I, I, I left school and did a, did a tape degree um, in website design and technology. And I thought, you know, it was, it was 2003 and, um, you know, it was the, the back of the dot-com crash. There wasn't a lot of jobs around, but I was super keen on this, you know, this internet thing, if you like, um, and what that could become. And so, to, you know, took a job as a, as kind of a, a digital art director or a web designer or whatever it was kind of called back then. Um, and... Just it was kind of just doing that for a couple of years, and it wasn't until I, I found a new job for an agency wanting, you know, a digital art director, and took that role, and then realised it was in in an agency with 150 people, and you know, I, I think I went to my first, you know, all staff meeting. I was probably 22 or something like that, um, and saw them present these amazing TV ads for for Westfield and, and for Woolworths and, um, and you know, uh, things for other really cool, massive brands that I would see on the TV all the time. And I think that was the moment I was like, 
holy shit, this job that I'm doing is in this kind of cool company that like makes things that go on TV and, and they're on radio and they're in the real world. Like pe- people get to see the stuff that you make. And I think that was the moment that it clicked and it wasn't just a random job for me anymore. It was like, this thing was like, well, I've got to make, if everyone sees the stuff I'm going to be making, it's going to be awesome. And that was kind of that passion, I guess, is, is kind of the key word um, that had to be relentless in, in, my, in my career and, and in my life is to, is to, you know, to leverage that passion and to chase greatness through kind of the quality of the work that you do. And, you know, fast forward sort of 15 years or whatever it might be now, and everything is about holding the quality tension, you know? It's you're only ever as good as the last piece of work that you put out and it has to be at a level that your brand and your business stands for and in line with the the brand that you're working on as well. So that relentless passion for quality and innovation and creativity um, and and quality ultimately is, is kind of what drives me. And I get excited by people looking at the stuff that we work on as a business and going, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. So I think that driver hasn't changed. It's still exactly the same. I love making amazing work, whether it be big film pieces or big, you know, mobile application projects and kind of everything in between. Um, you've got to love it and you've got to love the craft. Otherwise, you know, it can be a drain. What advice have you got for the listener that is client side right now or uh, just finishing their schooling or studying or looking at changing industries? How, give us an elevator pitch to get someone pumped on and excited about coming in and, and you know, working for your agency or another. Look, I, I think you've, um, you've, you've kind of got to look at every new opportunity as, as a challenge that you're looking to conquer and find a way that you can bring something unique to it that, that you've got that no one else really, really does. And I think there's just, there's one thing that can't be replaced and that is passion. Um, and so I think no matter what you're doing, where you're looking to go, how you're looking to get there, people buy passion because you can teach skills, you can teach capability, you can teach a, a type of um, a type of work or a, or a craft or whatever it might be, but no one can teach passion. You can't create it. It kind of, it's within you or it, or it isn't. So I think when you're looking at switching um, or moving, find something that you are super excited about. Find something that you are passionate about because, you know, there's that old saying that if you, if you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, it's, it's, it's absolutely true for me and, and many people that I know because I just absolutely love what I do every day and I'm super passionate about it. So work isn't work. It's just another day in my life where I get to go and make awesome things. Um, so find that, whatever it is, even if it's not in the current industry that you're in or the current skill set that you have, you've got to find something that excites you and then you'll learn it naturally because your your body and your brain will, will help you get there because... You know, your heart knows that's where you want to be. I like it, mate. Very emotional, but I like it. Now, now this is this is another um, sensitive topic right now, and I'm really interested in your your uh, feedback. It's it's you know unemployment rates have you know increased this year. It feels like there's more no's than ever before. And as a as a man that leads agencies that goes and pitches business and and often doesn't get that work, regardless of the passion or how brilliant the idea is, how do you foster and, and help a team deal with 
a no uh, and, and rejection. And, mm. and what advice or insights have you got for that that someone could, someone listening to this could take and um, you know, take into that next opportunity where it may be a no or it may be a yes and, and they'll soon find out? Yeah, that's a great question. It's Look, I, I think earlier in my career, I was absolutely terrible at getting no's. I'm a very, very competitive person um, to this day and, and I hate getting a no. Um, and, I, and I've probably had some really bad experience with my teams where getting a no, you know, you, you, you don't want to acknowledge it up front. You know, you want to find a way through it before you tell the team and all those sorts of things. And it's absolutely the worst thing you can do. Um, you know, I think when you get a no, you've, you've absolutely got to be able to learn from why it's a no. And, and a lot of the time it, it's not a no because you weren't good enough. Um, it's, it's a no because it just didn't fit, you know. It could be the culture, it could be the idea, it could be the capability, it could be the fact that the other you know, the other team or the other agency or the other business just proved one other thing that the, was really hot to trot for the client that they absolutely needed that maybe you just didn't have enough of and you'll never to know that, you know. Um, so how you, how you take the no and unpick it in, in conversations with clients when you're getting a no, getting a full debrief, getting a sit down after a giant pitch and, you know, and often a, a company like ours or, or any of the big ones will, will spend 50, 100, 150,000, $500,000 on a pitch, you know, depending on how big the account's worth. Um, so you get a no, it's, it's a huge capital loss for the company and for the leaders. And then it's a huge mental loss for the, for the team as well because you, you spend literally months on these things and nights and weekends, absolutely. Then you get told no and then a week later you get asked to do another one. You know, it's, it's kind of demoralizing. So you've got to be able to unpack it with the client really quickly and then take those learnings and get them down and find out why you lost. And I think half the time you'll realize, well, you're probably never going to win anyway, and that just sucked. Um, and then the other time, you, you'll probably work out that it was just a couple of things that just didn't go your way, you know, and, and this game's as much about luck as it is being awesome. Um, and so you've, you've got to be able to get the winners with the losers. Otherwise, you know, you'll, you'll go crazy trying to, trying to win in this industry. But yeah, I, I think unpack the reasons why um, and then share them transparently transparently with the team and and sit down and do that post-mortem and work out why and where and when and how and what you could have done differently and, and package that and take all of those learnings into into the next one um, don't make that same mistake twice and you know I think I was speaking to um, to, to Nobe the other day and um, you know he was he was started um, Droger in this country and you know he's a he's a pretty famous ad guy and we had this exact discussion where he was saying that, you know, losing twice really, really bites. And, you know, you want, you want to make sure that you go in knowing you can win, you know, and that's super important. So if you, if you don't take all of the intel from that loss, you can never set yourself up to make sure you win a second time. Mate, wise words, wise words and never easy, but you know, you've got to take the learnings, as you said, you've got to take that experience and, and be you know, even more ready for the next time. Look, I, I want to I finish on um, kind of framing up your, your new dream job. You know, you've had the opportunity to take everything you've learned and experienced in the past, hopefully get rid of some of the bad and, uh, you know, embrace some of those things that excite you and some of those new opportunities. Um, kind of sum up, if you can, your new dream job leading Excello. What's, what's those one or two things that's really, really got you pumped up uh, for this new challenge? Yeah, look, you know, for me, um, building something from scratch is, is my dream job. You know, and I've, I've been very, very fortunate where, 
you know, my, my last role was very much that as well. And I, I think what's even more exciting now is, is that I'm doing it for myself. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to harness all of my experience in, in large global companies where I, I kind of felt like I was building something for myself um, and kind of building something from scratch. But you never really are. You know, you're, you're building it for someone else. Um, this time, it, it's that kind of adrenaline rush, I guess, of, you know, failure is not an option because there is no safety net. There is no global holding company. There is no network of 150 offices that it doesn't matter if it, if it doesn't work, you know, this one's critical. But that's also probably the most exciting part of it is building something new where, where everything's on the line. Um, I think that's the adrenaline that's, that's got me super, super excited. Um, and I think doing it with great mates um, as well and, and amazing people um, is, is also what really makes it super, super special. So, I, you know, I think, yeah, my dream job is, is, is absolutely the one I've got now with Excello and, and kind of leading that and, and building it from scratch. And I think, you know, I never would have got here if I didn't um, kind of put myself out there. And kind of going back a little bit to some of our discussion, you know, the, the, the one thing I'd love to impart um, around kind of the reason why I think I, I kind of got to, to the top of my career was that um, uh, someone once said to me, it's, it's not what you do in your nine to five um, that makes you who you are. It's what you do after that. And so I remember I took those words on board um, and really took them to heart. And, and I just remember just kind of really busting my gut all day, every day, nine to five to kind of build my career and get great at my job and get noticed and all those sorts of things. But it was actually the what I did after 5 p.m. is actually made me who I am today. And, and that was the differentiator. That was the part that helped me get my dream job. Um, it was about, you know, building a blog on the side at night to kind of help increase my education and get noticed and make something famous that I could leverage to then help get my dream job. You know, it was about networking with the right people, you know, um, after 5 p.m. to put myself in an opportunity to, to be noticed. You know, it was, um, it was about learning things, you know, on the weekends uh, and at night when other people would, you know, sort of finish and just go drinking or whatever it might be. So those kind of words sort of ring true in my career. It's just, you know, it's kind of... Um, it's not what you do in your nine to five. It's what you do after five PM that actually makes you who you are or who you really want to be. Awesome, Aiden. Thank you so much for your advice, mate. I know that the listener is going to take a lot from that. Um, I know you've got some super exciting work behind closed doors at the moment uh, with the new business, but uh, we can't wait to see you bring that out into the real world, as you mentioned. Uh, and really appreciate you being a guest on Dream Job Ready. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Pumped to be here. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 